Welcome along to episode 728 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, Daniel Bookroyd joins us from the Litchfield Garrick. He's their CEO and artistic director as they're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. Dr Zoe Williams lets us know how to get ourselves summer ready with the help of Activia. Dustin Murphy lets us know about the film Coyote, a British science fiction flick. We talk to Dungeons & Dragons star Hayley Marie Axel about her work. We have a natter with Jason Old, Guinness World Record holder and Guinness World Record mentor as they have a brand new programme for 11 through 18-year-olds. And Quentin Wilson will be along to talk about the Fiat 500e. That's all on the way on the show this week. Welcome to the Milk Bar. 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 Uh, welcome to the Milk Bar. The Literal Garrick celebrates its 20th anniversary on the 1st of July. Absolutely loads of events on the day, and all this ties in with an amazing programme of shows throughout the rest of the year. To tell us more, I'm joined now by CEO and Artistic Director, Daniel Bookroyd. Hello, sir. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm all right, and I hope we're finding you well and very excited about the forthcoming season. Yeah, really, really excited. Um, I'm having a great time here. Uh, lo- lovely team at the Garrick. Uh, I've, I've been here just over four months and, uh, you know, still finding my feet, but... Uh, arriving as we approach this 20th anniversary has been a fantastic opportunity. It gives uh, gives us a huge chance to uh, connect with the communities we serve and to set out our stall for the coming few years. So, yeah, exciting times. Yeah, I mean, the programme for the, the current run of events was set long before you arrived because yeah. that's the nature of theatre. But you must be really enjoying what you've got coming up, including an amazing panto this year. Yeah, it's a it's a great program, and you're absolutely right. Things are planned way in advance. I mean, we we I've just been filling in a few gaps for this coming autumn, but fundamentally, the you know the programming that I'm doing now is you know is going to is not going to land in in Litchfield until um, spring of 24. Crazy, isn't it? But before then, as you say, we have got a great panto. Um, I mean, they're always a great panto here, aren't they? I saw the last, you know, I saw Snow White um, and, and you know, just a few months ago and thought, oh, great. I'm so excited to be arriving in this theatre with this this as its panto standard. Um, I've, I've directed and written pantos for a number of years now in other theatres I've been running. And, you know, this is really up there. And, and what you know, with uh, the helm, um, Sam uh, Rabone is, uh, you know, amazing dame. And um, so, it, yeah, to, I'm, I'm thrilled to be um, heavily involved in uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast this year. Yeah, and a, a return of a literal favourite in the shape of Ben Thornton, absolute star. And his and Sam's chemistry on stage means laughs are guaranteed throughout the festive period. I think so. I, we were really keen to try and reunite that that pairing. I'd seen video of them together before, and and th- and I went to see Ben in in the panto he was doing this Christmas just gone. And I, you know, it just it seemed uh, it seemed right for him. It seemed right for us. And Sam was thrilled. Obviously, so uh, yeah, no, it, it, it will be laughs plenty, no doubt about it. And the opportunity for professional dancers locally to get involved as well. Yeah, we did this last year. Um, uh, it's really uh, this time of year. Um, you know, we 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 gather probably the most Garrick employed artists in the building at any one time, mm-hmm. and it's really important that we extend that opportunity to to artists and and, and performers and creatives who live locally. Um, want to try and do that quite determinedly. So yeah, we're holding some auditions uh, locally for um, 
uh, young dancer, singer, actors to come and be part of the ensemble for the Christmas show. And I think it's, I mean, there are a few spaces left, but not many. Um, there's been a huge interest in that. And then, you know, we're obviously meeting actors um, as in, in London. As as one does, because that's the that's that's how these things go. But but to have that opportunity locally feels really important. And I and and last year we we got a couple of um, people who came to the show from that process. I hope we'll do the same, if not more, this year. Yeah, well, the Monday the nineteenth of June is the uh, the date for the uh, auditions, uh, starting at ten a.m. Uh, to get involved, litchfieldgarrick.com forward slash b a t b auditions. Check out what's going on there. Get yourself signed up. A few spots left, as Daniel says, and you could be part of it as long as you live within twenty five miles of the Garrick itself. So, uh, some great opportunities for some brilliant local performers there. But so we mentioned the twentieth anniversary, the first of July, and there's all sorts of workshops, opportunities, and the chance to tour the building for free. Yeah, I think the thing I, the thing I really want to say about the twentieth anniversary is is it's a great opportunity to have you know have a party, throw the doors open, welcome people to come and look at the building from you know in ways that they've not seen it before. We'll take them on tours behind the scenes into all the interesting nooks and crannies. Um, we're going to be um, looking at the development of the buildings, uh, looking at the history of the Garrick and and indeed the Civic Hall that was here on the site before us twenty years before you know for thirty years before we you know we were here in this configuration but the, the really important thing for me to say is it's going to be that's going to be a great day but it's the beginning of a year of activity so this isn't just an excuse for a kind of one day you know you know uh, blink and you've missed it this is the beginning of a year of us looking well to, doing two big things jason one is one is looking to uh, really connect in new ways with the communities we serve so there are three um kind of pledges or, or targets we've set ourselves um the first is and these are all about engagement as, you, as you'll as you'll hear the first is for us to support 20 local community groups or artists to realize a creative ambition mm -hmm. So that could be with, you know, spaces and technical resources and funding and what have you. That's number one. Number two, to host 20 training placements for young people during the year. And that's, we're looking at 18 plus, that's that's kind of early professional development, really first steps into the industry. And the third is to get into 20 local schools so in, in and around uh, Litchfield and surrounding area with creative opportunities during the year. So, yeah, that seemed like a really we wanted to celebrate our 20th anniversary with these 20s that we're going to be giving away. And, and, uh, and you know, we're going to be giving tickets away through the year. Well, 20 tickets for that, 20 tickets. You, know, you, you can see where we're going. But this thing about creative opportunities and connecting with local artists, local young people, local communities is a year long process for us. And I hope we'll, we'll, we'll come out of that not only with, um, uh, you know, not only with some great stuff having happened here in the building and elsewhere within Litchfield, but also a whole new load of friends, people that we can be working with as we go forward, community groups, individuals, artists, and uh, that's the kind of direction of travel we're moving in. And, of course, you're looking for people's memories as well over those last 20 years, and whether it's a selfie you've taken with the stage in the background before a panto or whether there's something you've got a tale to tell on your involvement, even with the building of the building, there's all sorts of opportunities to get involved there too. It's very, very much so. So, yeah, I, I'm a strong believer in in, in uh, simultaneously looking forward and looking back. That the two things complement each other really well. That actually, if you understand, you know, the story and the, and the and the and the investment that people have made into where you you know how a, a theatre organisation like the Litchfield have got to, it really helps you, you know, thinking how you move forward. And you're absolutely right. We are. We've been inviting um, uh, audience members, participants, artists 
groups to to share their memories with us and they can be they can be um as personal funny um uh, terrible um uh, historic as as people want them to be and and what we're pr- planning to do is to do a couple of things really one is to um build up gradually over the course of the year build up a timeline of the history built around these memories of in, the individuals have of the, the the Garrick building and it's and what's got on here, um, but also to um, to celebrate um, not not us but to celebrate the, the people of Litchfield who who, who have who, you know for, you know who've made this place what it is you know we are we are the collective experience of of, of all the audiences and participants who passed through this building over those twenty years and to, to be able to celebrate that is you know is is the best way we can celebrate our birthday I think. You're all from touring professional productions to being a home for so many local Andram groups and everything Absolutely. in between with one night shows and so much more. It truly yeah. is a venue which is reflecting the amazing arts on offer, not only within Litchfield itself, but across the UK and the globe with international uh, visitors over many times too. Uh, if you want to find out more, or you, you, literalgarrick.com is the easiest way to go to, isn't it? And, uh, and check yeah, out the details yeah. there. From memories, you can contact the marketing team, marketing at litchfieldgarrick.com, uh, or if you want to get involved in the education side of things, that Daniel was talking about education at literallygarrick.com and there's links on there from the main website too and of course all the news stories about what's happening at the theatre as well yeah great absolutely you can find everything you need on the website love to, love to see you there and I can strongly recommend the cakes in the uh, the bar if you are uh, mm-hmm. arriving early for a show and the great value coffee too that sounds good to me well, <laughs> Daniel Bookery CEO and Artistic Director over at Litchfield Garrick celebrating its 20th year thank you for joining us thank you Jason One year on from the government axing all of its subsidies when it comes to getting electric vehicles, one car manufacturer is helping people out to get on the road in a more environmentally friendly way. Somebody who loves the joy of the open road when powered by electricity is Quinton Wilson, who joins me now. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, and it's always good to talk to you. And we, we often seem to be talking electric cars, and uh, this is a, another great way of people getting out and about and doing it in a, a much less of an impactful way. Well, yeah, I mean, Fiat have have come up with their e-grant, which means that if you want to buy an electric Fiat 500 and it's a great little car, you get £3,000 off. And this is to celebrate the, the, the end of the last year's end of the plug-in car grant by the, by the government, which was very successful and enabled probably half a million people to get EVs and, and they stopped it. So... You know, times are tough. And here's a car manufacturer that's saying we need electric cars to be more affordable. So they're cutting the price on this one and offering you this £3,000 grant, which is a consumer journalist who's always campaigned for cheaper electric cars. I think this is a a, a good call. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, with the fact that petrol and diesel cars cease to be available on sale from you in the UK in what, just uh, just under uh, what, six and a half years time, something like that? Yeah, seven and a half, isn't it? Yeah, uh, 2030 and then 2035 for hybrids. Although it needs to be said, Jason, that you'll still be able to buy used and there will be a kind of a bit of a rush to, 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 to make lots of um, uh, uh, combustion cars, new new combustion cars in those last last few months before 2030. So nobody's going to force you to drive just an electric car. You'll still be able to buy used combustion cars and vans. 
But the the network we have for charging is already developing exceptionally well. And if you look at a car the size of the Fiat 500, actually this is so well suited to being an EV. And it, it's sort of the, the style that the, that the 500 has always had. I'm glad you say that, Jason, because it is a very desirable, aspirational, cute and just cheeky little car. And I mean, I, I, I've always loved them. And it, it, it was the car that took the Italians from motor scooters in the 50s and 60s to four wheels. Um, and it's it's got this wonderful heritage. So this is this is a really, really symbolic gesture. And I think it's it, it, it's really important that this isn't a Chinese car. This isn't a, a, a big, expensive Mercedes or BMW. It's an affordable, small, desirable electric car that's now been made more affordable by this this e-grant mm-hmm. and and so much for a, really around a town use the sort of spaces where fuel efficiency is so poor in a petrol but can be great for an ev yeah i mean the, the bigger battery 43 kilowatt hour battery gets you about 203 miles on on the wltp cycle so it's it's good for most people um so you can do your town work but you can also do reasonably long long distances it doesn't take long to charge if you've got a wall box at home i like 84 percent of ev drivers have you can charge at home and you can charge on a lower nighttime tariff which brings the price i mean i pay what 7.5p per kilowatt hour to charge at night so to drive down to london today from the midlands has cost me oh probably about eight pounds and I mean, so you can't compare that even with using uh, yeah, public transport. No, and, nothing, nothing and, at all. 30, 35 quid in the, on the train, Jason. And and your 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 maintenance cost of EVs are forty percent less than combustion cars. So what 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 I'm saying to your listeners is, don't read all the misinformation you see in the mainstream media or on social media. Talk to someone like me, who drives an electric car every single day. And I, I, I guarantee that over 90 percent of people will say, look, I would never, ever go back to a combustion car. And is it, you've got the advantage of it being automatically and automatic. Yeah, this is an interesting point as well. All electric cars are automatic. So for, for kids out there, do you learn on a manual or do you learn on an automatic? So we're seeing this kind of tectonic shift in the way cars are perceived and the way where, where you learn to drive on them. And I think it, it would be fair to say that if you're learning to drive, you're struggling with clutches, learn to drive an automatic because in, in, in seven years, all new cars will be automatic and won't have clutches or gears. And I'd love to see a driving school with a, you know, a fleet of Fiat 500s because it would be an absolutely you know, brilliant way of learning to drive in an EV. Well, there you are. There's, there's, there's a challenge. But there are um, uh, driving schools with EVs now and there's lots and lots of them and, and lots of these instructors uh, uh, communicate with me and say look it's great you know the, the pupils love it we love it there's there's so 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 few costs that the fuel bills are tiny and it, and it really really works but yeah let's have a driving school fleet entirely with with Fiat 500 E's. Now, as well for with your driving electric vehicle do you think that puts some of the pleasure back into driving because you, you haven't got that nagging conscious in quite the same way we also have to be sensible but actually this is a, a, by far a better way of driving look i mean the, 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 there are two schools of thought that your noise and all your your combustion cars um with their gear changes and everything and blipping of throttle the the diehard petrol heads would say, look, no, that's lovely. And, and out of my cold, dead hands, you take away <laughs> my petrol or diesel car. But to those of, of us who have driven electric cars, they are seriously fast. They are really quiet and relaxing. 
you know the noise is 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 minimal and and you get to the end of your journey feeling probably better than when you started and for somebody who's been been driving with them since 2009 and i've got a a, a reasonably quick one uh, right now i won't mention the name but it does not to 60 in 3.1 seconds <laughs> that's that's as fast as some ferraris so you know don't don't tell me they're like milk floats because they're not they're 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 very quick very rewarding and they handle particularly well this one because it's got a very low central uh center of gravity because the battery's at the bottom so yeah i mean they, they are fun and uh, so with the uh the fit 500e uh you, you're getting a, a car which is practical and as a it's got that uh the, the the fuel efficiency which you can't get in a petrol or diesel no well there are some diesels uh, jason that will do sort of 50 60 miles to the gallon but at, you know, at, at the cost of particulates and emissions and and tailpipe tailpipe uh, uh, stuff, so uh, you know, it, electric cars don't suit everybody. But but this particular one um, is now one of the cheapest EVs you can you can buy in the UK, um, and and is is it's not a Chinese car. It it's not a, a compromise. It's a really lovely approachable friendly enjoyable electric car that 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 will hold its value and 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 will be you know minimal cost to run and and will make you smile and that's what's so great about it so i think this is a really really good idea of fiat to to put the hand in the air and say we're going to do something to incentivize the switch to electric cars for consumers in these very difficult economic times. Yeah, I see a lot of Fiat 500s on the road, and every time I see one, it does make you smile. It is just one of those happy cars that's out there, isn't it? It's one of the most successful, what we call heritage cars out there. I mean, you've got cars like the Mini and the VW Beetle, but I think that the, the Fiat is much more true to those original, um, the, the designer's name was Giacosa, um, and it was about the same time as the Mini, but it's, it, it's much truer to that original concept and original shape it, it's worked and that's why it's been been so successful across across europe because it is a very a very faithful copy of of what an original concept but it's practical it's usable and it 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 it, it, it it's great but it, it looks a million dollars and it looks so close to that original incarnation and uh, available in convertible format too with the grant yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering, scratching my head, is this the only convertible electric car that's that's available under under thirty thousand pounds? It probably is. Um, mm -hmm. So we've got another first. You know, one of the UK's most affordable electric cars, and certainly the most affordable convertible electric car. Well, so it's going to be seen out on the road with that three thousand pound help from Fiat. Where do we go for more information? So if you want any more information, let's just be clear. It's it's a, a, a simple deal. You get three three grand off. There's no scrappage allowances. There's no part exchange necessary. You get you get that 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 grant. Um, just go on the Fiat website or talk to your 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 Fiat dealer. And of course, we can find you online as well if you want to see your musings. Yes. Well, look, I'm, I've got a campaign group called Fair Charge, um, which pushes the government to. Do more about infrastructure and educate people about EVs. And I'm educating MPs and peers about uh, EVs and just trying to push this, push this along and and, and get government to incentivize people. And, and here's the thing, Jason, you know, Fiat aren't asking the government to reinstate the, the plug-in grant. What they're saying is there are lots of things that we could do to help consumers. 
pay less for going electric. And I'm campaigning for a, a reduction in the, the VAT on public charging from 20% to 5% because that'll reduce the cost of electricity. And all these things, like we could give EVs free parking, couldn't we? Simple things that don't necessarily have to cost the taxpayer money. Um, and, and, and just it makes it more desirable to, to shift to an EV from a combustion car. Absolutely. Well, Quentin Wilson, thank you as ever for joining us. Pleasure. With less than a fifth of people having achieved their childhood dreams, we need to bring ourselves together and get what we want from life. Somebody who's got an interesting Guinness World Record is Jason Old, who joins me now. Hello. How are you doing, Jason? I'm good, thank you. Cool name to start off with and cool hobby. Uh, particularly with this uh, unicycling greatest weight lifted on a barbell record that you have. Have I got that more or less right? Uh, close enough. It's uh, heaviest single weight lifted by barbell overhead press whilst riding a unicycle. Um, and, you know, of course I got that right because I've said it 100 million times to people, is it, but, but it, is a, okay. it is a mouthful. It is. But, but, I mean, first of all, why? Uh, why not? <laughs> Exactly. That's good to freeze for me. No, I'll take that. But how did you work out you had this skill? I learned a unicycle when I was about 14. Yeah. Um, And I grew up in in the age of what I call the jackass generation. Mm -hmm. You can cast your mind back that somewhat controversial TV show Jackass on MTV, which was people uh, essentially, I guess, being professional idiots and attention seekers. And I thought I need some of that. But it kind of coincided with um, the X Games, which was really big at the time. Uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater being a big game on the PlayStation. Really kind of urban extreme sports being uh, kind of breaking into the mainstream. And that kind of influenced my uh, style of unicycling. So I was part of uh, the UK's only extreme unicycling display team for close to 10 years. Um, and the, the kind of bread and butter of what we did was live performances at events, kind of doing tricks on obstacles. Then I decided to kind of parlay that into uh, like kind of going solo. Um, I, I used to say, you know, the Robbie Williams from Take That, but that's kind of a dated reference. So now I like to say Harry Styles from um, One Direction. But uh, so doing my own stuff in terms of content creation, working with brands, mm-hmm. uh, some great brands, including Guinness World Records. Um, I had always been interested, interested in strength, tra- strength training, pardon me, uh, and I got into it through playing rugby at school. So it always lifted weights, and, and combining the two together it was kind of a no-brainer, really. Um, a lot of people are kind of shocked to hear that the amount of weight I can lift on the unicycle is not that different from the amount of weight I can lift on my feet. So, yeah, it, it really wasn't kind of um, too hard to consider that the two might be worth trying together. So, so what is that number? How heavy are we looking at for the record? It's 68 kilograms. That is a lot. I mean, that is, that's, that's pretty much a fully grown adult in some cases. Yeah, I always enjoy people who you know, do interviews or even in social circles when people are like, that's as much as you weigh. And then <laughs> I was like, well, you know, underestimating there. But no, it's <laughs> it, heavy, it's heavy. And, um, and, and, and that was the hardest part of it, to be honest, is lifting the weight. It's not necessarily lifting the weight on the unicycle. As I say, I've been unicycling for 20 years now, so it's no exaggeration to say it's just like walking for me. So, so really being able to push the weight was kind of the, the, the biggest challenge. 
Well, I, I'm impressed. I'm sure anybody who's actually seen you in action doing this is going to be more than impressed. And uh, it, it is all about having you know a challenge going for it and wanting to do it. And clearly you're somebody who's very driven. But often when people are looking at getting to grips with their dreams, they may need a mentor to help them along the way. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you quote some of the statistics there. Um, I believe it's over half kind of give up on the ambitions they have as, as kids and yeah, it's around about half that say that if they'd had a mentor, um, they perhaps would have taken a different path. And I think that's quite uh, interesting. It's certainly quite telling. I, I know myself, I never would describe myself as having a single mentor. Obviously, quite hard to find unicycling mentors in this day and age. Um, but I, I always certainly had uh, people in my life who encouraged me. And kind of, I guess, the expression I generally use is, is believed in me before I believed in myself mm-hmm. and, I, and I think sometimes especially if you're looking to do something that could be described as a dream you know the term childhood dreams is, is being used quite a lot when we're talking about this and, and I think in a funny way it kind of insinuates and suggests that it's maybe something unrealistic maybe something childish maybe something that even to ourselves we think is uh, unrealistic and, and just a dream uh, but to have somebody there who tells you well why not? You know, like, can we actually logically and realistically make a path, make a plan, put a program together to, to get you closer to that? Uh, and, and what is always involved in, in kind of getting closer to a larger dream is, is setting short-term goals too. So I think I would love to, to provide that uh, for somebody. And then if it helps them get closer to what they want to do and helps them um, realise you know, dare I say, dreams, then what could be better than that? Sounds good to me. And uh, giving someone the confidence, at least, to be able to get on and do whatever they do in life, whether it is one of their dreams or something else, knowing that you can go for it it is going to help. And there's a a brilliant scheme for the first time launched by Guinness World Records, uh, which is going to be helping uh, sort of uh, the the age range is 11 through 18. And people can actually win a place on one of these schemes, can't they? That's correct, yeah. So I believe applications are open now. Uh, and I believe, I uh, don't want to say the wrong date, but I think it's June the 19th that they close. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely. And it's not just myself. There's five other mentors, uh, some of whom have done, a, what I would say, far more impressive things than, than me. Um, but I think the, the one thing that does connect us, and you kind of touched on it there, is having an idea, um, figuring out how to make that idea possible, the most important part is training, putting the hard work in, but having faith in the process that if you do work hard and if you're working smart as well, and that's another important part, you can get there. You can achieve uh, any goals, whether they be realistic or unrealistic. Yeah, or at the very least unusual in your case. So uh, Exactly, yeah. I, I think it, it, it's good to see you know, the, the sort of encouragements there. And just say it, It's all about building confidence in life. And those who uh, apply for this program, you, you don't need to somebody who's gone out there and done sort of, you know, something crazy like this before. This could be the, the, the start of a new path for you. And it could be what enlivens them and enlightens them and gets them onto the pages of the Guinness Book of World Records. Absolutely. I mean, what I've always said about the Guinness World Records book is it's not it's not elitist. And I know that might sound silly, but, but what I mean by that is it's not necessarily um, unattainable. It's it, I've always seen it as celebrating uh, normal people, but normal people who have taken a chance on themselves, who bet on themselves, who've worked hard, who've found that unique and different thing 
that they can do that other people either can't or haven't even bothered to think of, which is <laughs> what certainly in my case, um, and, and gone out there and, and had to go for it. So, and I think that's that's the thing. I think in in modern society now, there's very much a, if you're not the best at, at very kind of uh, binary or analog things, then 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 you have no value. You don't deserve to be on the pedestal. Whereas I think Guinness World Records really are. I hate to use the term home for homeless, but they really do celebrate the other people. You know, there's no gold medal in unicycle weightlifting. And yet I've been given the chance to, to celebrate my accomplishments through them. So I can only hope that other people have the chance too. Absolutely. The certificate that you have on the wall approves that, which is always good. We can see that just behind you. There's four of them yeah. over there. So that and is my washing as well. <laughs> but uh, you've got until uh, one minute to midnight on Monday, the 19th of June to apply. How do people sign up? Um, so you just go through the website. I don't know if you'll be able to provide uh, specific details to the website, but um, it's very straightforward. A lot of clicking buttons um, and you can apply there. You'll see my wonderful visage. And I only say that to give full credit to the photographer. <laughs> um, basically, it is a lovely photo, um, and I believe we'll be asked a, a number of questions about you know the the uh, you know the goals you have, and 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 consequently you will be hopefully matched with someone who is relevant to the goals that, that you want to achieve. It may not be me, um, <laughs> because what possibly could I be relevant for? Well, I, don't, um, I, I, I can't was... even ride a bike, let alone a unicycle. So, I might, but it, it is my dream to be able to do something like that. I may put my name down and pretend to be between 11 and 18. I'm not going to pass for that, am I? So I reckon I could help you with that, Jason. I don't want to be too boastful, but I reckon I could get you on that bike. Okay, we'll talk about that some other time. Meanwhile, <laughs> though, uh, if you want to find it more, uh, guinnesswallrecords.com is the main website. Look for the links on there or Google the mentor scheme from them. Uh, where do we find you on the socials? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram. It's at Jason Pro Unicyclist. Um, I'm also the same on YouTube if you want to check out some of the stuff I do on there. Not just unicycling, believe it or not. It's uh, even more useless stuff too. Um, so, yeah, those are the two best places to find me. Um, and it's always appreciated. People well, enjoy watching my stuff. Absolutely brilliant. Jason Old, Guinness World Record holder, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Thank Since the theatrical release of Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, there's been an amazing buzz around the movie. One of the stars is Hayley Marie Axe, who joins me now. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are we doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. Now, you are somebody who keeps themselves very busy in their work, and it must have been uh, great to be part of uh, an amazing movie and part of a brilliant franchise too. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel really lucky. Um, especially we, you know, we shot it uh, during lockdown. Well, when when things the restrictions just started mm -hmm. to lift, and the first bit of filming that could be done uh, during lockdown. So I just I feel really lucky when you know lots of people weren't working that that I was doing that. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah, and, and such a good project to be on, and some great co-stars too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Who, who was your favourite to work with? Then go on. Let's start off with that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've got one really. Well, well of... Chris Pine has been the darling of many a movie at the moment, and uh, yeah. Hugh Grant has been around in in so many different films over so many years, and and they all bring their own part to this in exactly the same way as you have. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get to meet them all, unfortunately. So, not even on a red carpet event. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, in in <laughs> passing, in that sort of situation, yeah, yeah, but didn't actually get to do scenes with all of them, so that would have been that would have been lovely. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but got to a really, uh, really 
good bit of work with Michelle Rodriguez. So that was good. Uh -huh. I really enjoyed that. And uh, uh, there's a bit of an exciting cameo um, that's popped up uh, that I'm not really allowed to talk about, but it's already been talked about loads over the internet. So I'm sure if you're interested, you can, anyone watching can look it up and see the cameo that I'm talking about that's got a lot of buzz um, about it. And that's uh, who I got to work with. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, so oh, we like it when it's a bit cryptic, and uh, we can all do our homework afterwards. Uh, so yeah. uh, it's it, it's been so much fun to be part of the whole machine around this. I'm going to guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it really was. I mean, even just down to you know costume and sort of uh, makeup trials were just uh, insane. Um, and it was, I think my boots were you know, from like the Game of Thrones wardrobe department or something. <laughs> so it was just, the whole thing was really exciting. Yeah, because it, it's Gwyn who you, you are appearing as. So tell us a bit more about her. Uh, so Gwyn is uh, Gwyn the Barbarian. And uh, basically she's wife of uh, Marlamin, who is, um, uh, so Holger, so played by Michelle. Uh, it's, it's her ex-partner, ex-husband, who is, uh, I won't give all the, the details away, but there's a bit of a surprise Mm -hmm. about uh about his stature as well um and uh me being tall giant barbarian woman <laughs> adds an element of humor to that so i won't give it all away but um obviously uh that's there's there's some visual elements there that are uh that they had fun with um and so yeah so basically holger goes back to visit her old tribe and uh has a bit of a surprise when she turns up and uh, there i am and I think it's movies like this that can, yeah, they suspend disbelief for a little while and you're immersed in a whole new world. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, it's, you know, just when you finally see it all come together at, at the premiere and everything, it was um, just an amazing piece of art, to be honest. And, and because the CGI is art these days, isn't it? The, the, yeah. the, the, the extra graphics that you get. It's not like when he first started out doing. Once we hit Jurassic Park, it, it was a turning point, and suddenly yeah. you got movie magic on screen that had only been possible with with actual paints and mats before. Yeah, exactly. And you don't always get all the elements come together so well. You don't always get sort of um, the the art side of it, the visual, the storytelling, all of it. You know, you don't get all of that come together so well. And I think um, Dungeons and Dragons, whether you're a fan of and whether you played the game or whether you're a fan of the game or not. Um, I think it, it's just a brilliant movie and there's so much comedy in it as well. Mm. So you don't need to be a fan of the game. You know, it's like it's just such a good standalone film, regardless of whether you've played, played or not. Um, the characters are brilliant and you didn't expect actually to laugh and cry. There's some really <laughs> moving moments in it. And I think this is the, the good part now. We've reached the point where, yeah, yes, you get games from uh, movies from games and games from movies, but they are entities which will stand up. I mean, so, some of the games that came from movies in the past, and and some sometimes it did always felt like people were just trying to milk a franchise. That's not what's happening now, and that is certainly isn't what's happening here. This is uh, a magical standalone piece of, of cinema, and the theatrical yeah. releases has been so well received and, and still running now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's still going. Um, and I think it will be one of those ones that for years to come people talk about and. Uh, will be a reference for for a lot of things. Um, yes, I mean I'm just just really lucky to to be in it, really. Oh, well, there's just... a reason why you're in it, and that's because you're so <laughs> blooming good. And this is the reason why you get booked for so many different things. And you've shown your worth in in, in comedy and drama, as as well as theatre work in in all genres as well. 
So it, it must be great to be able to be part of these things and and yet obviously still keep getting us back because the uh, the awards that run alongside it as well yeah it could, you are a go-to in the industry let's face it I know you probably won't big yourself up that much but you are <laughs> aren't you? well I mean I think I've been doing it 20 odd years now so you got you get to a point where work does keep coming which is lovely um but there's peaks and troughs for everyone so I always kind of like to keep my feet on the ground and kind of just think what's the next job you know what's what's next and always on to the next thing so so yes I think in answer to your question I'm not very good at <laughs> not very good at just saying yeah I'll bring myself up yeah I do you know work does come in now and that's great um I'm in a good place uh but I'm always just looking for the next thing but yeah you always have to be you know, and this is why you have number one a good agent uh, and number two a great showreel and you must be spoiled for choice what to include in your showreel oh spoiled for choice or brain fried <laughs> I don't know to put it honestly yes but no I am lucky I, and I shouldn't you know there are I know there are lots of actors out there who kind of you know would um bite my hand off to have so much choice but it actually gets really hard because you get to a point where you go well now you know people sort of talk about oh pigeonholing yourself a little bit so play the mold to break the mold and all that kind of nonsense and I'm just like well I'm just me and I like that and I like that and I like that so I'm gonna put all of that together <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I know you like sharing your experience with others and in particular with your vocal coach training that you do and I mean accents are so important when you're working in, in so many different movies and if, if somebody can't tell it's you because you're doing a different voice you have a look and a walk and uh, you, you you become that character which is as we know what you do uh it, it is great to, to be one of those actors who can do that and to be able to share that uh, that training so you've got great people to work alongside with who can do what you can do oh thank you yeah yeah I mean that is something that um I've always loved from from day dot really um was you know taking being a, a character actor I know that you know you should, all actors are character actors really because what else are we playing <laughs> well unless we're playing ourselves which a lot of people do as well <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I could list yeah. some of those and they're amazing yeah you have stars yeah. who play themselves in a film and then yeah. you have people who if, 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 if it's like John Malkovich I can never spot when he's in something because he's always somebody entirely different every time he's in here it's that sort of thing isn't it yeah and I guess that's what I've always loved about acting and that's kind of always the way I've wanted my t- career to go is to go down that route and as I kind of getting older I need as I get older I'm one of these actresses that actually want more wrinkles and want to look older because the older I get the more character I've got and the more kind of you know quirky those feet are your friend yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> some people don't want to age but I'm like oh no that that brings on a whole new load of characters really doesn't it yeah if it's people you haven't played before and it's opportunities which will have come your way for the first time so again it's that challenge and the interest of being able to play them and learn learn more and yeah. say, we mentioned accents and, and and what you do uh, have you got an accent that you really enjoy performing in that's not your own oh loads I mean I've, you know, quite often uh, Northern Irish is a go-to because I've got family there. Mm-hmm. Um, Northwest, yeah. <laughs> You're waiting for me to drop into it, then, weren't you? Uh, no, no, no. That's a, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Not leading. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, yeah, uh, yeah. Northern Irish is one that I go to quite a lot because I've got family there, and uh, Northwest in the UK, Liverpool and Lancashire, that kind of area. They they sort of go to ones for me, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and American, I get a lot of American stuff come in now. All good, and uh, yeah. so it, it it all stretches and, and gives an uh, say that uh, extra 
little bit of interest for you because I mean I, I know you don't time get time to get bored, but it would be awful if you did. And 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 clear from the from the the range that you have and the range of work that you do, that's never going to happen. Oh yeah, thank you. Well, and also I now have a toddler, so that's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> a toddler who I find all of my vocal exercises and everything work really well on. We do lots of phonetics or, mm-hmm. or phonics, should I say, with a <laughs> with a toddler. But that uh, the yeah phonetics training has definitely come in handy uh, teaching teaching him to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and before you know it, do you think you've got uh, maybe another movie star in the family? Oh, well, potentially, yeah. We did do a job together when he was four months old. <laughs> as, as long as he was happy with that, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he got paid in milk. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to do it. <laughs> so what else do we have going on in the near future? I know you often can't talk about projects as things start to come yeah. together, but is there anything we should be looking out for that you can talk about? Yeah, so I've just um, I've just done a, a series that will be coming out um, towards the end of the year um, on uh, Amazon Prime. Um, I can't say the name of the series, <laughs> um, but it's a, a thriller. Uh, I know I know the the first series went down really well um, and was really well received, and it's definitely been it's definitely going ahead for a season two and a season three, um, and so season two will come out towards the end of the year or the start of next year, and I'm in that one, and uh, that's what I can say for now. Okay, so we will look out for that. It's the name emblazoned across the poster hanging in Mariax that we are looking for. Uh, of course, <laughs> you've got uh, announcements coming out on the socials as well. So where can we find you online? Uh, so uh, on Instagram, I'm uh, Hayley Mariax Actress. <laughs> and on um, uh, Twitter, I'm at Axe Hayley. So pop online, follow, like and really enjoy the magic that's going to continue happening and uh, uh, break a leg in all that that you're doing have a a brilliant time continuing your craft and we look forward to seeing you uh, so a little reading the way and trailblazing in so many great projects it's been a a joy to speak to you thank you for joining us and uh, we will be seeing you on on many streaming service and of course terrestrial tv and theatrical releases including the stage too over the the coming weeks months (laughs) and years thank you for joining us Thank you. It seems a fifth of us are prioritising our looks this summer. To tell us more about how this might affect our health too, I'm joined now by Dr Zoe Williams. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jason. How are you? I'm very well and I hope we're finding you well and uh, summer ready yourself. Well, I'm I'm starting to think about it. <laughs> the sun started shining, hasn't it? And I think we are all starting to look forward to summer now and think about how we can get ourselves feeling and, and looking our best. And when it comes to that, though, we know that as we head into summer, around a third of us struggle with sleep. And that is in part because of the heat and the, the fact that days are very different and somewhat longer than we're used to in winter months. Yeah, absolutely. We tend to be busier in the evenings as well, especially if we're socialising and then you know, it's very, very bright and light in the morning. So it can impact on the quality and also the amount of sleep that people are getting. Um, and I think, you know, we tend to think, most of us, I think, tend to think of feeling better in the summer, but but not everybody does. There are other other sort of side effects of summer as well. Some people more tend more likely to get dehydrated, not hydrate themselves as well. They may get headaches as a result of that as well. 
But when it comes to yeah, the supplements, the vitamin D is topped up by the glorious sunshine, although we will use sunscreen where required. But our eating and drinking habits will change too. And uh, barbecues aren't brilliant for our gut health. Neither is overconsumption of alcohol outdoors late at night. But equally, uh, there are many other things we can do because our gut health is vitally important when it comes to our overall feeling of well-being. It is. So our gut health really, really is very, very important. And, you know, I think it's some really interesting research that's come out from Activia Yogurt saying that whilst two in five of us put more emphasis on our appearance in summertime than any other seasons, um, about a quarter of people, well, about a fifth of people, actually, 20 percent say in their research that they prioritise their looks over their health. Um, so what Activia are doing is sort of encouraging people to rethink this phrase summer body ready and rather than thinking about things like losing weight and you know going and booking all those treatments um thinking more about how we can make our bodies summer body ready but from the inside by looking after our gut health and the key thing being that by looking after our bodies from the inside that can help us feel better have more energy can help support a good mood as well Mm. but also you know a, a really pleasant side effect that's likely of that is that we'll look better on the outside as well yeah, it's all part of it. And uh, I say you, you, people can very often feel bloated as well. And uh, it's getting the, the stomach's biome right to, to, to make everything work properly in there. Yeah. Yeah. So this gut microbiome, which is something we're talking about more and more, it's relatively new science. And I think as scientists and doctors, we keep uncovering more, but it's all good news. It's that these, we have these trillions of microorganisms that live inside our gut that if we look after them, they look after us in return and they look after us in so many ways. So a, gut, a healthy gut microbiome, um, um, as you'd expect, you know, helps for good digestive health and helps us be free from gut symptoms. You mentioned bloating, you know, abdominal discomfort. It can help support that. But interestingly, the gut communicates directly with our brain. It's something called the gut brain axis and a healthy gut helps support good brain function, but also good mood as well. Um, it also helps support a, a well-functioning immune system um, and also can even help improve our skin health. So, so by looking at, after our gut bugs, our gut health, they really do look after us in return. And if you can you know, top up that uh, biome by something that tastes absolutely great too, you're a winner all round. Yeah, yeah. So so probiotics um, in the diet, the so probiotics, the things like yogurts, like kombucha, um, certain types of cheese, essentially they're fermented foods that contain live organisms. Um, consuming these regularly can actually support good gut health as well. Um, and then I think the other really important things in our diet, if people are looking to make a few switches to improve their gut health, um, it's about making sure we eat enough fibre because the majority of us actually don't. But in, in, as well as that, it's about eating as wide a variety of different plant foods as we possibly can. So it's not about eliminating meat or dairy products or anything like that, but it's about the plants that we do eat, trying to eat as many as possible, a different diverse range. And we're told now that we should be aiming for 30 different species of plant in the diet each week, which sounds like a lot, but um, some of the tips I often share with this are, you know, most of us, many of us, I think, probably put a tin of red kidney beans or another type of beans in our shopping trolley once a week. So switching red kidney beans to a tin of mixed beans, you've gone from one to five just with that switch. It doesn't cost any more. It's no more effort. Um, similarly with nuts, if you snack on nuts, switching whatever type of nut it is to mixed nuts, you've, get, you've then added probably another four 
um, different plants to your weekly shopping. And then those bags of stir fry mix, chucking that in one of your stir fries as well as what you normally consume. And I think just with those three switches alone, you've probably added at least 10 different varieties of plant to your diet. You're a third of the way there. So, I mean, the, this is all yeah, brilliant. It comes down to eating out and make really a rainbow of different food colours and, uh, and and flavours and textures as well. And I think that's all part of us enjoying our diets. I mean, that's why yeah, we, we love the likes of uh, a Danone uh, Activia yoghurt because you've got the texture, you've got the bits of uh, fruit and flavouring in there and everything is uh, you know about you know, pleasure, but secretly it's doing good at the same time. Yeah, and, and, you know, they make sure that there's calcium in there, which actually helps create the right enzymes for digestion. And then they've got those cultures, those live cultures in there as well, which can also help support your gut microbiome. Um, and I think the, the other thing to mention, you know, it's quite obvious that making changes to our diet will help support healthy guts and a healthy gut microbiome. But actually exercise, regular exercise has been shown to increase the diversity of our gut microbiome. Um, good quality sleep because when we sleep that's when our bodies regenerate and repair and it's also when our gut microbiome really get active and start producing lots of chemicals that are important for our health that we can't produce on our own so we need them um, but also stress as well um, our gut microbiome can actually help alleviate stress or help us manage it better with mm -hmm. stress if it's healthy and um, but it's important that we that we live in a world where most of us are stressed because we're busy. We never switch off. It's 24 hours a day. We're contactable now. Um, computers that were most meant to help us have more leisurely lives have done the opposite. So we are highly stressed um, and that is really bad for our health and it can be bad for our gut health as well. So taking measures to try and reduce stress, which can be simple things like trying to have a walk in nature and actually be in nature, turn your phone off and look at the trees the colour green can actually have a calming effect on our brains. Um, and simple things like, you know, meditation and mind mindfulness. When it comes to mindfulness, just taking a moment and thinking about what you can see, what you can hear, what you can feel on your skin, what you can taste and smell in that moment. Just focusing on the sens senses can bring you back into the present moment and can have a calming effect on the brain. So you're basically telling us to grab the ice pack, fill the cooler bag full of yoghurt, go and sit in a field and enjoy an activity. Well, that, yeah, along with some exercise, good sleep, healthy relationships. We'll go for a walk to get to that field. That'll work, yeah? And, and eat, eating the rainbow. Yeah, all of those <laughs> things. I think, the, I think the key message is, you know, we do get obsessed as we're coming into summer with what our bodies look like on the outside. Um, and in this research from Activia, more than 50% of people actually said what summer ready means to them is looking better on the outside. But if we can flip our mentality and think, you know, as we're approaching summer, what can we do to be healthier on the inside and taking a gut healthy approach is a really good way to start. And, you know, the, a really lovely, likely side effect of that is that our bodies will look better on the outside as well. That's all steps in the right direction. Where can you go for more information about the research from Danone? So, so the research from Danone is on the Activia website. So it's activiadanone.co.uk. Check out those details there. Well, you have a brilliant summer. Enjoy yourself, enjoy your yoghurt, and I shall look forward to speaking to you again soon. Dr Zoe Williams, thank you. Thanks, Jason. With a North America release date of the 20th of June and the festival circuit being a big part of the world for Coyote in the UK, this British science fiction is impressing many people. Dustin Murphy is here to tell us more. Hello, sir. 
Hello, thank you so much for having me on. Well, good to talk to you. Give us a, a bit of a background to the, to the film and how all this sort of came together. Yeah, absolutely. So Coyote is a dystopian sci-fi film about how newly developed teleportation technology, how would that affect uh, things on a logistical level from immigration mm -hmm. to uh, human trafficking to the refugee crisis? And our story follows two refugees uh, who trust the wrong back alley teleporter and they're separated and human trafficked in the process and have to escape their captors. So the film uh, came about as a 100% independent production um, made uh, with me and my collaborators um, over the past couple years, uh, spinning off the success of some short films that we had on the festival circuit. And when it comes to touring the festival circuit with films like this, you really do get a good feedback from from the audience. They You get the reactions. And I suppose you've been out there as, as often as possible. Absolutely. Yeah, I never miss an opportunity to watch the film with a live audience when I can. We had our world premiere at the Phoenix Film Festival. We were fortunate enough to get three screenings there. Each one, we picked up some momentum. We sold out our last screening in Phoenix, and uh, we just had our UK premiere at the Romford Film Festival. Again, also sold out, uh, picked up some nominations and walked away with the uh, audience award for the best uh, first feature. And we're looking forward to the Kingston International Film Festival next on June 25th fifth and i think what you've got here though is something of a, a, a unique proposition the the story you're describing and and just a taster of what we're going to see on screen really is something a, a little bit different it takes concerns of the modern age puts them into a, a different world yet adds in a, a technological break which uh, makes a, the human part of this story even more intriguing Thank you. Yeah, that was a big goal and we what uh, we were trying to do with the piece. So it is, I'll say, a thinly veiled, you know, social allegory. We're using fun science fiction elements uh, to tell an accessible story that's entertaining and engaging to wider audiences. But we're also peppering in a lot of conversation starters. So we really do hope that people take away after they watch the film, have some conversations about the themes and messages throughout and about how, um, you know, technology is very often seen as something that is fantastic and in a lot of cases it is but um there's always a bit of a double-edged sword people oftentimes the uh, inventors of certain technologies oversell the benefits and ignore some of the risks associated with it and uh that is certainly the case uh with teleportation if it should ever uh, become reality yeah i mean it'd be interesting to see what happens there and it'd be interesting to see what environmental impact that would have and i mean you always seemed to be a bit of a conversation starter. In fact, the environment was something you looked at last film. Yes. So Samaritan uh, was a film that did have a climate change angle about it. Uh, I haven't talk talked about it too much with Coyote, but there is a little sprinklings of things that you see in there, little Easter eggs about how teleportation is actually positively affecting um, climate change and positively affecting the environment because it cuts down on carbon emissions. Um, so, yeah, there is, like I said, good sides. Good, there would be good sides to it. But um, obviously, we focus more on the logistical issues of, you know, how would you secure borders and uh, how would vulnerable people be, um, you know, mistreated in, in a system where this technology is, is possible. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you also have to look at maybe the technology behind it. And uh, is there uh, something left behind when a teleportation takes place? How <laughs> does that work? And uh, obviously, there's the, the ethical questions that we, we're we not even anywhere near answering until we have <laughs> such a technology in our world. So uh, uh, who knows? There may be a soul that uh, is harder to transport. We do not know at this time. Well, one of the things that we get into in the film is this thing called limbo. And uh, the way we've made the technology work is there are large devices to send people, but you can't just get sent anywhere. Uh, there has to be something called a receiver on the opposite side. And those receivers have to be placed there. So the receivers have to be smuggled into a country if you want to go to that specific country. Or if it's a, a legal teleportation, then, you know, there's obviously companies that can uh place those receivers anywhere. So there's mm -hmm. always kind of a financial component to it. But what happens when you get teleported without a destination in mind, without a receiver that's been activated? Well, we say there's this thing called limbo, which is where you disappear without reappearing and you're stuck in a state of consciousness and torment from that consciousness without any connection to your physical body. And you cannot do anything. And that is one of the ways that uh, people are exploited and abused in this dystopian future. Now, this is, it sounds amazingly intriguing and I, I want to see this. So I need to find a screening near me very soon. Uh, <laughs> however, yeah, alongside all of this, we, we've got the fact that uh, you've only been in the, the UK, and so this uh, being a British film, uh, you have you been uh, been pseudo British since twenty seventeen? Is that how you see yourself now? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, immigration is a hot button topic, and I but think you're not in that... limbo. I'm not in limbo. Well, I am a little bit in limbo. I uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm on a spouse visa because my partner is British. And um, yeah, so I have moved over here uh, legally, but um, I'm currently applying for my uh, UK residency as we speak with my immigration appointment on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that one. And uh, don't blame anyone for any dystopian future that may or may not come from uh, the immigration <laughs> process in the UK. But uh, I mean, how is it filming this as well? I mean, what, what sort of film formats have you used here? Is this something we can enjoy on a, a very big screen? Uh, well, I think it's great on a big screen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm realistic about how people's uh, viewing habits have changed. The majority of people are going to watch it uh, at home uh, That as you do these days. But if you can see it on the large screen, it certainly suits it. There's some absolutely breathtaking cinematography uh, by Joshua Carrington Birch. Just some sweeping, you know, boom shots and some beautiful locations. We shot at uh, in Dungeness in the south, um, which is a gorgeous beachside location. Um, we shot at the historic Hinwick House, this gorgeous 50 bedroom manor house to the north of London. Um, so it's really great to see those uh, as we saw in Romford on massive screen <laughs> and so wearing the audience is selling out and the word of mouth means it is continuing to sell and obviously a big part of that is the the cast too and you've been blessed with some amazing talent Absolutely. So leading the cast, we have Therica Wilson-Reed, uh, which uh, audiences might know from Netflix's The Witcher. She plays E. Katarina, one of the refugees who is uh, unfortunately human trafficked. And then the supporting cast is absolutely phenomenal as well. Um, uh, Biffa winner Rashai Belania from The Last Tree, uh, which premiered at Sundance. Uh, newcomer Borislava Strativa, who was also just recently seen in uh, the new Luther film, The Fallen Sun. Um, 
yeah, that's just to name a few. I could go on and on about this wonderful, diverse cast of it, colorful characters. It's a huge <laughs> list, uh, including the uh, contenders from the the Young Warlanders uh, Netflix as well. So you know, you got uh, some some names or at least faces we will know, even if the, we haven't picked up on all the names yet, because no one unfortunately watches the credits these days, do they? <laughs> well, they always suggest uh, watch something new before you watch the credits, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it disappears. Well, this is a film that isn't going away. And uh, so uh, how far away do you feel we're going to be seeing a theatrical release or uh, a streaming release in the UK? I think we're close. I think it's probably going to happen within the next two months, if not sooner. And I take it you're all over the socials so people can uh, at least track what you're up to and uh, the cast have been doing surrounding all these screenings at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you guys a plug. Um, Our website is teleportyourself.com and we're Teleport Yourself on all the socials. There there could be uh, some money to be made in that if the teleporting technology does come along and you can sell your URL in a few years' time. Exactly. (laughs) It could be inspiring somebody to go and work out how to move molecules around the easy way. But we shall see how that works out. Well, I mean, congratulations on what you've done so far. Very much looking forward to, to seeing the full product and getting a feel for this version of the future. Hopefully, it all works out okay in real life. But yes. teleportation <laughs> does sound like a great way of cutting down our carbon footprint when we want to get to Tenerife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Justin Murphy, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. That's your offer this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 729 next week. I'll see you then. Ciao for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.